Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode number 157, Passion and Positivity for Mental Health, an interview with Ellie Rhodes, coming to you on Thursday, September 19th, 2019. I just got off the most fun interview. She's actually kind of a coworker of mine. We work in a very big company, Ubisoft, which is kind of all over the world. And she works in Canada and I work in Sweden. And we met each other because I read this Women of Ubisoft article that was interviewing her. You can Google Women of Ubisoft and find a whole bunch of really interesting articles about women who work in the video game industry at Ubisoft. Um, And if you Google Women of Ubisoft, Ellie Rhodes, (laughs) the name of the person I interviewed for today's episode, then you can read the article that basically got me thinking, I need to talk to her more. And then I talked to her and then I'm like, I think you really would be great if you came on my show. So We had so much fun. If you're interested in the video game industry, it'll be interesting. The whole point of me calling her was because she had a lot of really positive things to say about her approaches to, um, like I told her that I was... Uh, still working on um, getting through burnout, trying not to get back into it again, trying to give people tips, particularly because when it first was happening, I couldn't really find any helpful tips. And she seems to have been doing the same thing on her end on Twitter. So I definitely wanted to talk to her more about it and have her share some of the things that she uses as coping mechanisms and you know how, how these things have affected her and how she handles her work life and her home life. And anyway, great article, or sorry, it was a great article, but we had a great interview and I think you're really going to like it. So um, keep listening, have a great writing week, have a great week, whatever you are doing. Um, Let's see, it is autumn in Sweden. It's funny because it's September, which is not even time to turn off the air conditioning in Los Angeles area. But in Sweden, I just had the most fabulous day where I had to put on a jacket (laughs) and it was windy and kind of cold. It was perfect for a hot drink. But then by the middle of the day, I was taking off my jacket and there was clouds and the wind was blowing the clouds across and then there was blue sky and oh, so beautiful. Every time somebody says autumn's my favorite time of year, I think, yeah, I think spring's my favorite, but autumn, you know, is maybe my second favorite. But I think every autumn, I think, no, actually, I think autumn is my favorite. So you are either having autumn or spring for sure, because those would be the two uh, seasons that we have in the northern and southern hemisphere. So my two favorite seasons, I hope you are enjoying them and having a great day. And I hope that Ellie makes you feel as inspired and motivated and positive as you can tell I feel right now after talking to her. And uh, we will remember we're still on the summer schedule. So we'll talk to you again in two weeks. And here is Ellie. Today's guest is Ellie Rhodes. Ellie is a Brit who has been living in French Canada for just over two years. She decided to power her way into the games industry instead of going to university to have what her family would call a normal career. She wanted to share her passion for video games through marketing and community management. And now a part-time streamer, full-time product manager, she's doing just that. In what spare time she has, Ellie loves to practice aerial fitness, watches horror or Disney movies, and explores Quebec with her husband and small angry dog. Welcome, Ellie. Hi. Hi. I have to say that small angry dog comment just makes me laugh at the end. 
he he is a very small, very angry dog, and loves to to show that to the world. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. The way that you and I met was because I was reading an interview with you on um, the women of Ubisoft, since we both work for Ubisoft companies. And I was like, oh wow, this woman sounds so positive and upbeat, and I just think it's hysterical that you have an angry dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe that's where the outlet goes. Maybe that's. <laughs> Well, I'm sure that you're a good influence on him. I try. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just kind of let the audience know a little bit more about you. Um, you are a writer, just um, not necessarily novels and that sort of thing. So tell us a little bit more about what you do in your job. So most of my day-to-day -day work is actually copywriting, um, which is super interesting and really fun. And generally I find it a lot easier than creative writing because there's briefs to work to. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's always a challenge and it's, it's interesting. But I used to do a lot of uh, like fan writing for different video games that I was playing and different events and things like that. So I've been writing now for, God like six years ish so nice. yeah excellent and then uh you ended up in video game industry because you just decided by golly i'm going to figure out a way to get in <laughs> pretty much um i was actually on track to be a biologist i was going to do marine biology and zoology at university wow um, yeah, so I got all the grades to go to university and then I went to view all these different places and I was like, maybe I don't want to do this. Um, and I just kind of moved out and got a job in retail and my parents were not very happy about that. <laughs> um, but I knew that I was passionate about video games and that was what I wanted to go into if I could. So I just tried my best to do that and essentially... I uh, didn't take no for an answer when it came to shadowing, getting work experience, uh, writing for different places, organizing different events. And uh, my social media activity eventually got me a job. Um, so it was an unconventional way to get into the industry for sure, but I did it. It's not impossible. <laughs> yeah. I have to say, it does sound very interesting to just kind of say, I love you, mom and dad, but I got to try this other thing first because like that was what my husband and I wanted to do, but we just, I don't know, we, weren't, we, we were kind of raised that you kind of listen to your parents and do what they say as long as they're around. And then we were like, well, we just moved all the way to the other side of the country. Nobody <laughs> would know if we started doing what we want to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of great. <laughs> yeah, my mom was very supportive of whatever I wanted to do, but did not understand video games in the slightest. And my dad was adamant that I needed a degree until I got an industry job. And then degrees aren't necessary, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, it's, it's interesting how a little bit of success helps mom and dad calm down. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they just want what's best for us. <laughs> That's right, which is honestly a wonderful thing that your parents care and love you enough. And <laughs> yep. <laughs> I always tell people if I had been born 20 years later, I would probably be a neuroscientist or working in some kind of neuroscience research <laughs> or something. <laughs> completely different career path right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. And um, one time I even put in my bio, I can't remember what I was speaking about, but I changed my bio a little bit. Um, 
depending on the audience who's going to be reading it. Yep. And, uh, and one time I put something in my bio that I'm absolutely, I love, love, love brains, but I'm not a zombie or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was fun. Okay. So one of the things that's interesting, uh, the thing that really caught me about, and, and if you don't mind, I'm going to link to the, the article that, yeah, that I found absolutely. so interesting. Excellent. So if anybody's listening and wants to read this great article, I'll link it in the show notes. Um, or you can Google, because this is how I, f I, I thought it was an internal. I thought all of those interviews were internal. And, yep. and then I was like, oh my gosh, I can share these? So now I'm going to <laughs> all of them. <laughs> I know, it's great, isn't it? Every time people come up that I know, I'm like, go look at this amazing lady. She's great. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So anybody, uh, if you're listening and don't have anything to write down, just um, Google women in Ubisoft. And um, there's a ton of great articles about really, really interesting fabulous women. And Ellie Rhodes would be the one that we're talking to today. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, oh, there's so many things I wanted to say and so many places I wanted to start, but let's, let's kind of start at the beginning. Not everybody in this audience will know that much about video games. I'm sure a lot of people do, but also there'll be a lot of people who don't. So um, why don't you kind of walk us through, you and I were going to talk a little bit today about um, kind of I told you that I had been uh, suffering from burnout and trying to, you know, find a healthy way back from that and also to help myself to not get, you know, not backslide back into it again. <laughs> and, um, and there were some things in this interview where I was like, okay, I, I have to talk to you. So I emailed you and then we had a, a phone call and it was great fun. So you also have some experiences that have to do with, um, I don't know what is the PC way to say it. Can we just say um, mental health? Uh, yeah, yeah, anxiety, definitely. burnout, <laughs> depression, all these things are works. <laughs> do, yeah, do affect our mental health. And it's really, really, really important for us to protect our mental health, our physical health, you know, eating and sleeping and exercising. But I think that um, even though we're starting to hear much more regularly about protecting your physical health because it will help you to think more clearly, work better and stuff. I think that it's only more recently that it's become, and tell me if you think that I'm wrong, that it's become more okay to talk about mental health. Oh, absolutely. Like I think in the last, even in the last two years or so, it's become way less of a taboo subject, which honestly is great because yeah. um, it's something that is obviously really important uh, and the more we talk about it, the more accepted it becomes to talk about it. But it's, I don't know, I can't speak to other industries, obviously, but within the games industry in particular, there's a lot of like, a lot of pressure from crunch culture and things like that, which can have huge impacts on mental health as well as physical health. And it's something that uh, has gone unsaid for a very long time. But now that more people are speaking out about it, it's, it's becoming a topic that people are having to address within day-to-day -day life in the games industry in particular because it happens all the time people just work themselves into the ground and that is the case across the world i'm sure but obviously being in the games industry it's it's very prominent and visible to me because i've suffered as well yeah. um so yeah it's it's one of those things that 
I'm glad people are talking about, but I'm not glad that it's a thing. <laughs> right, right. So I experienced it when I was working in the film industry. Um, not so much television. My job there was always pretty nine to five. Um, but there would come times when you're like, okay, we're about ready to start um, the, the actual production. And so for the next two months, I'm probably not going to get any sleep. And I have to be super duper careful when I'm driving in the middle of the night, trying to get a couple hours of sleep and not fall asleep on a freeway in Los Angeles, which... Yep. Did happen to me once. It was terrifying enough to stay awake for the rest of the ride. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, drive. I was driving. But so the experience that I have with crunch, which if anybody, I can't imagine, but if anybody actually doesn't know what we're talking about, it's that period where it's like, hurry up. We have a deadline. We have to work as hard as we can, as many hours as it takes because we have a deadline. So in the film industry, in the films that I worked on, that would probably only last two months because then we're done, we're wrapped, and we go back to a, a semi-normal uh, work schedule after that. So I pretty much could just tell myself, okay, two months, you can do this for two months. That's not so in the video game industry. Why don't nope. you talk about that a little bit? <laughs> uh, so I've been very lucky in that I haven't had to crunch. Um, Ubisoft in particular is, is pretty good at spreading the workload, making sure that everybody has the... Uh, optimum amount of tasks, basically. And uh, in particular, my team is very flexible. So I've, I've been super, super lucky. Uh, that doesn't mean that I haven't pulled 12-hour days, 13-hour days for two weeks solid, but that is part and parcel of being in marketing, to be honest. It's when it's con season, you have to be up for European times and you have to still be at work for West Coast US times. So it can be it can be difficult and the workload is intense, but like I say, it's it's two weeks. Um, but crunch can actually be it's been known for it to be two years of crunching in the games industry. Like it's it's insane when you think about it. People are pulling sixty hour weeks um, mm-hmm. for two years solid, and obviously that is horrendously impacting the people that are doing that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, like my husband's an animator, so he's worked on films and video games. And there are there are a couple projects that I won't name that he worked uh, like if he. Yeah, I'm like sitting here going, how can I edit this? (laughs) Yes, he worked many hours, sometimes 70, sometimes I think one time he got up to 90 hours in a week and I was driving him to and from work because I just didn't want him to fall asleep driving to and from work. and, and that is very weird and, and it becomes like a normal and in the film industry and in the video game industry and perhaps other industries that you and I are just not aware of <laughs> because we don't work <laughs> in them. Um, there's a certain amount of, well, if you don't want to do this or if you feel you can't do that, just let us know because there's lots of other people we could hire to replace you. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the worst part about it. It's not that there's... Um, it's not that there's a a level of care that comes with those statements. It's not like, well, if you don't feel like you can do this, then we can find a different solution. It's we could easily replace you. And that is the case in a, in a lot of studios. Like it's been proven over the last what year or so. Um, I think uh, Red Dead Redemption two, which was the last year, one of last year's biggest like blockbuster games uh, for those of you that aren't aware of the, (laughs) the games industry. Um, it was 
highlighted that during the production of, of that, some of the workers were treated horrendously and it, it kind of shed light on these horrible situations that people are in. And since then, there has been a lot of improvements. Like, granted, there, there has been a lot, but we've still got a long way to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the thing that I thought that you and I could talk about, because when you look at it in a big picture scenario, um, probably almost everybody that we know at some point has been in a situation where because of work or family or little children or sick relatives, or there's a situation that happens uh, where you are not getting much sleep. You're not taking care of yourself. You're just trying to get through this situation. And that is rough. But when that situation, whatever it is, lasts for a long time, whether it's illness or work-related or something else, then it starts really impacting our ability to cope. Yeah. And so uh, one of the things that I've been trying to share on the podcast is the ways that I've been finding to cope, what's been working, what's not been working, (laughs) (laughs) and finding other people who can also share because I just feel like um, this is not something that there is enough easy to find common everyday person information that you just, um, when it's happening, you feel like you're the only one. And if you're not the only one, you don't know anyone. Yeah. <laughs> you could call and ask, what should I do? I, I can't get out of bed or I just, I cried all day yesterday and I don't even know why. Or so, and it sounds like that you, um, for various you know, situations or whatever in your life, reading the, the interview with you on, on the Women of Ubisoft article, it sounded like um, you had situations in life where you had to try to find coping mechanisms. I was hoping that you could share. Oh, like very much so. <laughs> right. Um, I'm actually currently in one of those situations where I'm, um, I've been struggling for most of this year, to be quite honest, and it's been improving. And for the first time, I actually feel like there is progress there uh, because I've been in various situations before where I've, I've gone online, I've spoken to friends, I've like tried to seek out this information. And like you say, there's just not enough available. So it's all get good sleep, eat lots of food and stay healthy, exercise, get some fresh air. And I'm like, this is not helpful in the slightest. Yes. Um, So Uh, What I found mostly is uh, it sounds really stupid and really cliched, but self-care is really important for me. Um, But not self-care in the sense of it being like that cliched version of self-care where it's like, I'm going to take care of myself today. It's self-care for me is taking time for myself. It's my selfish time. So maybe it should just be called selfish time instead. Yeah. Um, but it's whatever I want to do, whether it's sitting and playing a hospital simulator game for six hours straight, (laughs) (laughs) taking my dog out for ice cream or sitting and painting my nails or or even going and treating myself to a manicure. It's, it's like taking that, that time where it is time for me and no one else. And as a result, I feel refreshed because of that. Um, and Previously, that was uh, aerial fitness. It was uh, doing silks, hoop, pole, like whatever I I wanted to do really. But throughout this year, I've actually been really struggling with physical exercise, um, which is a very common symptom of 
depression, anxiety, burnout, uh, because you you don't want to do anything, you don't have any energy. So why would you want to go and throw yourself around upside down and like hang from the backs of your legs when you you have no energy? So uh, that before I would just go and do like an hour and a half of solid exercise, and I've had to find new ways to get around the lack of that. Yeah. So it's it's essentially any time that I can find to just zone out whatever that may be, that is my self-care time now. Yeah. So I like the way you describe it. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, people, when they, when they think self-care, they think of like face masks and a bubble bath and things like that, which it can be like, I do that sometimes, but ultimately it is, it is the time that I take for me, like screw everyone else. This is for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that the thing that was hard for me was moving past the place where I was like, I know I need to, I want to, but I don't have time because I have to do this, this, and this. But then every day or a few days or every week, I I would feel myself getting worse and worse. And I'm like, okay, the huge to-do list is not actually helping me in any way. Yeah. And it's not moving because you aren't in a position to make it move. So yeah, exactly. A couple of weeks ago, I spent, oh, I must've spent three hours working on a puzzle and it wasn't even a puzzle of something that I was particularly interested in. It was just a place to put my energy. Yeah. And you're right. I was shocked at how much I felt better after three hours. And I'm just like, that was, I literally was thinking that was really weird. What just happened and how can (laughs) I, how can I do it again on purpose? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like, whoops, I just fell into this self-care moment. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, my current one is watching cake decorating videos. (laughs) (laughs) Because I I find it like super therapeutic. It's it's mesmerizing watching these videos. So I will just sit and watch an hour of cake and biscuit decorating videos. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, I feel better now. (laughs) And then I can go and actually do something. That's funny. I know a lot of people, particularly on Twitter, but you know, Facebook and all the other social media, they, they have the, the cat and dog videos and, and pictures and stuff like that. And, um, you know, my name's Kitty. So people assume that I like cats and I do, they're good, but I really love dogs, particularly big dogs. <laughs> and yet I still just never got into that stuff. I was researching something else and I don't know how I accidentally came, apro- came across this guy called the lion whisperer. And he lives in South Africa. <laughs> he like lives on and runs, I guess, a lion preserve. And he has, he has like this huge YouTube channel thing where he like, I think he probably has his uh, phone on a selfie stick. And he has all these videos about him like taking the lions for a walk. <laughs> you know, and explaining or then the hyenas. And he'll explain like how hyenas live and that it's important like you say hi to the highest level hyena first uh, you like they'll be okay as so long as you respect their pecking order but yeah. if you don't respect their pecking order like i don't know he made it sound like they might just eat you i don't know <laughs> but i just can't stop watching this guy like pet lions and go for walks with them in the i don't know deserty jungle area of south africa <laughs> And I feel really, really good watching them. 
So bizarrely, there's been a, um, a viral Twitter account recently where about three weeks ago now, a guy did a live stream of him hatching a duckling because essentially it couldn't break out of its shell properly and he, uh, he runs this uh, conservation for British wildfowl um, and farm animals. So he's got like a few goats, a few sheep, but it's mostly ducks and chickens and they've all got names and they are all his friends. And he, it just started as here's something to brighten your Monday. I'm helping a duckling hatch because it's not strong enough to break out of the egg. Normally this would die in the wild, but we're going to help it. And it's like a, a six minute live stream or something. And he's like talking to it and it's sitting there going beep, beep inside the egg and stuff. And oh it's adorable. God. And in the space of three weeks, he's gained 68,000 followers on Twitter. Oh. <laughs> and now he does like the good morning run and he like opens the barn doors and live streams all these chickens and ducks coming out every morning. And it's so wholesome and everybody's like, learning all the names of them and everything and it's like a soap opera now <laughs> but the fact that that stemmed from him just wanting to brighten people's day and then people realizing that this is actually something that helps like watching baby animals and seeing uh like these these birds going about their day-to-day -day lives and things like it it's again it's those moments of peace and quiet where you just zone in on that one thing and it's really helped a lot of people from what I can tell. Wow. That must have just blown his mind and no pressure yeah. on tomorrow's video. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. He's still just carrying on how he was before all this happened. Um, it was just that it, it blew up in the wow. space of a few hours. So yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So listeners, one of the things that we're saying is self-care is more than getting the manicure. It's whatever makes you feel relaxed and happy when you're done. Is that? Yeah. All right. Exactly. <laughs> Excellent. And we've also said your to-do list shouldn't be what manages your self-care time. Yes, absolutely. Like my my to-do list is longer than I can even explain right now. <laughs> yeah. But it's more important for me that I'm in a position to actually complete some tasks than try and force myself to get it done. Yeah. So that's the main thing. As long as you feel like you're in a position to be productive, you have to try and reach that point in the first place before you can be productive. Right. Yes. Okay. That is a great segue. What do you do to try to figure out particularly when you're having one of those days, I'll talk to, I'll talk about myself when I'm having one of those days where I'm like, I'm teetering on the edge. I'm okay. But I, like anything will make me not okay today. I need to stay on the ledge, not fall off. And therefore what thing or things am I going to do on my to-do list? Like, how do you decide knowing that you'll never get it all done, not, not today <laughs> or this week at least. How do you decide when you're like trying to protect yourself? What are the things that you're going to do? And what are the things that you're just going to have to be okay with not getting done right now? So there's usually those things that everybody has them, the things that need to be done. Like the, this is basic human function level of needs to be done. And I'm very lucky in that my husband is incredibly supportive and he will kind of force me into doing these things in a gentle coaxing way. Um, and I do the same for him when he's busy and burnt out. I will make sure that he's fed and rested and 
run him a bath and things like that, you know, take care of him. And then he feels like he can do the more important things that only he can do. Um, so with me in particular, I, I am very high functioning despite having all these different issues, chronic illnesses, things like that. I, I like to be busy and I like to keep busy. And that is one of the main problems I think that comes with burnout. I'm sure you'll, you'll feel the same way. It's, you feel like you have to be productive all the time. So I am one of those people that will randomly like last night at midnight decide to water the plants because I've forgotten to do them. (laughs) I'll be like, do you know what? My plants are looking really sad. I'm just going to go and water them real quick. It'll take two minutes. And then that's something off of my to-do list. But I haven't done some of the bigger tasks and I feel like I have to set aside time for those. They're things that you kind of have to factor into your day-to-day life. You have to sit down and think right now I'm I'm going to get these things done that have to be done because this is important and necessary and all the other stuff can just wait. So anything that impacts uh, health and finance is generally on that the important list <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because that is that is as an adult you have to do those things um but even to an extent nothing is so important that my health should be at risk because of it and right. I think that's that's something that people struggle to grasp like everything can wait 24 hours if you're really having that bad a day take that day for yourself yeah. and don't stress yourself out unnecessarily trying to do these things Yeah. Yeah. And I would say that, um, for me, I found that, um, two days a week, I take my home laptop to work and I book a conference room during lunch hour. And sometimes some of my other coworkers join me and we either write or whatever. Um, and it just, it just feels good. But I have found that there are times when me, me, uh, responding to the three emails that have been waiting for my attention and desperately, I have really, I know I really am too late in responding to them. I really have to get it done. It actually made me feel better. This happened uh, last week, one of the days. I responded to three emails. It took me the whole lunch hour to eat my lunch and respond to these three emails. And I felt so much better, like a weight had been lifted yeah. at the end of the hour because I was like, okay, I actually did take care of myself by doing something that was simple, but had to be done that therefore was like one of the burdens taken off of my shoulders. Yeah. So the hard part I think probably is trying to figure out, like when I first realized this last year, gosh, it's been over a year now. It's crazy. (laughs) Um, And it's, what's really crazy is how long it takes to, like, I still don't feel a hundred percent. I still feel like I'm not doing things in a way that's making me feel like I'm 100% back to health again. But I think the hardest thing was not only recognizing that I was in this position, but I had no idea how to get myself out of it. I had already learned how to run a, you know, a hamster wheel at 100 yeah. miles an hour. I didn't know how to do it at 70 or 50 miles an hour. Yeah, Have I mean, you had any experiences that you can speak to? Um, I think... I can probably speak to my kind of my career as a whole in this aspect because I, as I said, I started out in in retail. So I was working a, uh, I was working in a video game store, um, doing the marketing and 
uh, like external communications for that store, as well as doing the standard retail job. Um, I was also doing a university foundation course in art and design because Wow. I wasn't doing anything with my life and I did the typical thing of going and doing an art course right. um, <laughs> and I was also uh, freelance writing at the time as well and that was how I started my career so I started it already at 100 miles an hour like you say and I was constantly striving to be better and do more because that's how I was conditioned to think with breaking into the industry you have yeah. to be the best yeah and once I got a job, I was then like, what do I do now? Where do I go? And I'd set myself these insane goals again. And I would be taking on all this extra work just to try and boost myself up even more. And this has continued like throughout my, my career. And I'm now in a position where I'm, I'm thinking that I am not good enough and I could be much better at my job. And why am I not like, you know, putting myself down. Why am I not writing anymore on my blog? Why am I not um, like doing art anymore? Why am I not doing aerial fitness? And it's, I realized that alongside these negative thoughts that were bringing me down, I'm also working on AAA games. Yeah. I'm like in one of the biggest industries in the world, in one of the biggest studios in the world and working on one of the biggest games of last year and I'm married and I have a dog and I have a beautiful house and like I have food on the table and you know I've achieved all these things that people at my age wouldn't necessarily have yeah yeah and I, I tend to forget these things that I've done and I'm trying to bring myself back to those more now I think to prevent me from from striving too much and to to reduce that speed a little bit so that I, I don't feel like I'm pressured to do more because it's it's something that, that comes with being one of these super productive people like yourself you just have to keep going you're like what do I do next and then right. all of a sudden you're you're completely exhausted and can't move anymore because you've just gone too hard and too fast so yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So listeners, if you're not paying enough attention, this is a tip. <laughs> <laughs> and the hard part is the tip here is, and uh, feel free to reward me, Ellie. <laughs> um, you need to think about um, all the things that you're doing and, and be, uh, what am I trying to say? Purposefully trying to back off, purposefully making choices that help your health to improve and help your health. Hopefully we're talking to a lot of people who are also healthy and we want you to <laughs> not get burned out or yeah. over anxious about work and life and stuff. But it, I feel like I'm um, muddling what you just said, but, <laughs> but clearly we need to look at the choices that we're making and actively make choices that just bring us back down a little bit. Yeah. It's like, remember, what you have achieved already and what you're achieving on a daily basis. And that can be enough. Yeah. And when you feel ready, you can ramp it up a little bit, but just remember that even getting by on a, on a day to day basis, that is enough. Yeah. <laughs> and that is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say there are times when I'm laying at bed at night and I'm like, you know what? 
Uh, it's been a really rough day. God, thank you that I live in this amazing country. Thank you that I have this wonderful apartment that I love. Thank you that I have the most awesome husband in the whole world. (laughs) When you start, it really is a thing. Counting your blessings really changes your perspective and then it changes your feelings. And I don't know. It's like, it's like a little waterfall effect, like the good kind of waterfall. (laughs) Yeah. I used to, um, I used to do a lot of bullet journaling when I was uh, living, um, so I'll give you a little bit of background here. Uh, when I first met my husband, we were both living in England. And um, just under a year into our relationship, he moved to Canada. And I stayed in the UK uh, because we both had jobs. He was offered a job in Quebec and I stayed in my hometown where I was happy working. And we stayed apart for about 11 months in total. So it wasn't a small amount of time and I was in my first full-time permanent paid industry job. So remember all those things that we spoke about, about the burnout and the striving and the overachieving and, you know, uh, combining that with the stress of being away from my partner was really difficult. So I started bullet journaling to remember everything that I needed to do. And I've since dropped that because I found it's, it's going to sound really stupid. I found the pressure of creating the pages to do the journaling <laughs> too much, uh, yeah. but you can buy them pre-made. You can buy them ready to go. I just, I'm very particular about what I like to track. So I haven't taken the time. It's on that mental to-do list somewhere. I right. need to take the time to find a bullet journal that works for me. <laughs> yeah. But part of that was my daily gratitudes. And um, I would have a page for each month that had each day, like the number of the day listed out. And every day I would write down one small thing that I was grateful for that day. And if I was then having a bad day, I would look back at all the things that I've been grateful for over the course of the month and it it would reflect. And uh, it could be things as simple as um, I went and treated myself to a new moisturizer at Lush and I was grateful for the the lavender smell or something like that. Or it could be, I was grateful for having uh, my, he was then my fiance, uh, call me in his afternoon, my evening, so that I could fall asleep with him on the phone. Like it, it's just little things, nothing that's like, oh, I'm grateful for these amazing like grandiose things that I have in my life it's it's always got to be the little things because then it makes you reflect on how lucky you can be so I've tried to carry that forward in that I don't necessarily write it down now but if I'm having a bad day and I feel like it's the end of the world I'm like no what am I grateful for this week yeah I've had a really nice coffee in the sunshine in the park the other day like I got cuddles from my dog in bed this morning you know just the little things yeah yeah yeah. All right. You know what? You have actually inspired me. I have this fabulous writing journal, um, journal planner. It's a, it's a little <laughs> bit of everything. It's really thick and it's awesome. <laughs> but everything you could want it has a little bit of bullet journal type stuff. It's got to-do lists. It's got um, meal planning. It's like your entire life in one book and I love it. But during the times that I was feeling the most stressed, um, I would open it and there'd be a blank page and I was like, uh, uh, Yep. <laughs> I was like, I want to write things down, but I just, I feel like I can't, but now, so let's see, today is on the day that we're talking, it is Saturday, the 14th of September. 
I am going to try to write down one thing that I am grateful for in each of the day spots for the rest of the year. And I'm going to let you hold me accountable. Okay. I will do that. Because <laughs> I think it's going to make me really feel like, I think sometimes, I don't know if this is um, true for you. And I have a couple other friends that I've had on talking about burnout and various things like that. Um, also anxiety, depression, a little bit. Um, and so I've noticed that there are a lot of differences between how we all experience some of these things. But I think this is so, this is so sad. I'm like, I'm embarrassed to even say it, but I'm going to, because that's what I do on my podcast. <laughs> I'm honest. And honestly, sometimes it stresses me out about how stressed out I am. Like, you shouldn't be so stressed out. Just stop it. Stop. Stop being yeah. stressed out. And then you can just feel yourself getting worse. Yeah. It's a vicious cycle, isn't it? You just yeah. escalate and you're like, why am I stressing about being stressed? Yes. <laughs> yes. But I think the only thing that has really been able to pull me down from that has been um, that exactly what you said. I'm so grateful for this little thing. Like there was a fire alarm at breakfast and we had to go outside and it was so gorgeous. We were actually really, really happy to be outside. <laughs> thoughts. And I was like, that was just nice, you know? Yeah. So I think that's what I'm going to put on today's, uh, today's spot from my thing. I'm gra grateful for today. Because <laughs> just the feel of it, just saying it out loud and thinking about it. I'm like, oh, that's like, it's a happy thought. And it just makes me whew, calm yeah. down. Yeah. I've genuinely found that recently dwelling on the, it's going to sound really strange, uh, dwelling on the weather is making me really happy at the moment because this morning I woke up and I was like, why is it dark at like 9am? I was like, why is it dark outside? And I don't know if you can tell right now, but I've got the lights on in here because okay. it's, it's really heavily raining outside and it reminds me of home. And it's, it was nice to hear cars going by in the rain. And I was like, this is really, really nice. And it's, it's a little bit chilly outside and it's autumn is my favorite time of year anyway. So having these, these really crisp mornings where I take the dog out and I have to put a big thick scarf on and things is great. And that's currently my, my me time every morning is walking the dog around and the grass is all dewy and it smells like leaves. and yeah. <laughs> It's generally a bit damp outside, which sounds kind of gross but it reminds me of home and the countryside because I, I grew up literally in the middle of nowhere. Yes, so me too. <laughs> I find a lot of peace, as I'm sure you do, in trees and yes. grass and plants. And like, I hate camping. <laughs> that is like my worst nightmare, but I love going for walks in, yeah. in, I mean, we don't really have it here in the countryside. So I will tend to take the dog up to, we have a beautiful park near us uh, called the Plains of Abraham. And it's basically where the English stormed Quebec. <laughs> so it's, it's uh, there's a little bit of history there as well, but you can see out across the St. Lawrence River and you can see all down towards the, the island that's in the river. And it is beautiful up there. And it's always windy and it's always chilly. And for around six months of the year, from like 3 p.m. onwards, uh, you get like these four or five hours of golden hour, like sunset time. So that is what I tend to do at this time of year. I'll go up there and seek that time for myself. Nice. All right. So that was two more things that we can um, have as takeaways. 
One is, even if you don't have much time to actually just stand still for 30 seconds, but I have to say 15 minutes is great. (laughs) If you are, if you have some kind of favorite weather and it's happening right now, take at least 30 seconds. Probably you're not even going to miss the train for 30 seconds. 15 minutes, yes, I see how that <laughs> But if there, if you love sunshine in the morning or the way it slants out in the afternoon or I'm the same, the sound of rain, the sound of thunder makes me so happy. Yeah, um, yeah whatever it is, like take 30 seconds or 10 minutes and just relax and enjoy it and let it seep into yourself because that is one of the things that you can do that is Mm self-care. And the other thing is actively looking for a place that you can go that makes you feel like relaxed and happy and you can be calm there. Yeah. I've got to say having a dog has really helped that for me because it forces me to go outside and I know that I'm happier when I'm outside, but when you have anxiety and depression and things like that, you do just want to lock yourself indoors. So having the dog has meant that I do go out a lot more than I used to. Um, And I know that not everyone is in the position to have a dog, but um, if being outside is something that you enjoy and that you don't necessarily do as much as you should, there's a whole bunch of apps and like, they're like dating websites for dogs where you can go and, find a dog that needs looking after or wants to be walked during the daytime or something and you take that dog and you take it outside and you play with it and you run around and you drop it back off at the owners and it's really so yeah and this is like not, this isn't virtual no this is like, a, is like a, app, but you go get a real dog yeah it's, it's I like be. a um yeah I can't remember what it's called uh they they've got like <laughs> what you'd imagine to be like Nintendo names where it's like poor pals and things like that. And uh, yeah, you essentially, you're like, well, I like big dogs. I'm available on Wednesdays. And you know, you fill in all your details and it matches you with dogs and you can take them out and walk them for people. And yeah, it's amazing. (laughs) We are doing this and people, we should all just Google this, but I will find at least one of them and put them in the show notes along with the uh, the link to Ellie's interview. That sounds awesome. It's like a global thing now. It's it's not really a thing in in Quebec, um, I've I've found, but it's a thing in Montreal. Um, So you tend to find it in bigger cities where people are busy and working and their dogs need attention they will just kind of loan them out for a bit. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. we were walking to the train probably two weeks ago and our neighbor in the building across from us, um, who, you know, I, we live in apartment complexes uh, pretty much our entire adult lives. So I know almost none of my neighbors and I have a <laughs> lot of them, but she had a dog and it was the kind of big dog that I really like. And it looked really friendly. And I'm like, can I just pet your dog for one minute? And I was like, oh, this is so awesome. <laughs> I mean, it was like the perfect for kitty dog. And I looked up at her and I said, we live in that building right there. If you ever need a dog walker. And she's like, okay, I probably will. And, and I'm going now because I have to make the train. The train. <laughs> <laughs> but I started thinking I should have given her my number. I'm really serious. <laughs> I'm going to have to watch for her, but maybe I, maybe I can find this app and it'll be something. Yeah. In my- yeah, it's, it's a super good idea because um, this is another thing that I've, I've kind of been looking a lot into self-compassion this year uh, with all these 
basically I was like, right, last ditch attempt. We're going to try everything now. (laughs) And I just became totally open to trying all these different new things. And that in a way is liberating. Uh, But I started reading up about self-compassion. I bought some, some workbooks and things like that. And it turns out I was already employing a lot of the techniques that are within these, these books uh, about kind of reflecting on how bad the situation actually is, reflecting on your feelings towards it, uh, normalizing these feelings, like, you know, just kind of having that insight into your own uh, emotions, basically. Uh, But one of the things that I haven't been doing that I've started doing since reading these workbooks is, it's, I can't remember the technical term for it. It's, it's called like uh, compassionate touch or something like that. Mm-hmm. And basically uh, in the books, it says you've got to place like one hand on your heart, one hand on your face, things like that. It might be on your stomach, it might be on both cheeks. Like, you know, find something that works for you. And it says like, go and do this in a private space because it's going to look really weird if you do it in public, but gently like apply pressure or, um, like give yourself a hug basically what you do to comfort other people do it to yourself and I was like this is very strange (laughs) (laughs) but I found that certain techniques worked and I've I've mostly got it's I've mostly got my husband to to help me with this um because there's there's a certain psychological loop with like certain pressure points so if you can receive Uh, comfort from somebody else doing those things if you can then apply it to yourself you get that same feedback loop Um, but one of the things that it says is that if you aren't if you're struggling with the physical touch if you don't like being touched by other people if you don't like touching yourself in uh in compassionate ways then uh you can do it with animals and it might be that you find that petting a soft pillow is better than holding your own face (laughs) (laughs) which this is gonna this is sounding weirder and weirder the more I talk about it but I've I've genuinely found it to be really helpful because it's something that I I haven't tried before and literally just having um one arm around my stomach and one hand on my face or on my forehead that's my version of this compassionate touch because it makes me feel like I'm being held and I'm like right okay we can calm down now Right, and everything right. is going to be okay. Yeah. But then if my dog is to hand, I will take the dog. <laughs> so there is like a proven anti-anxiety feedback in your brain from petting animals. Yeah. So go to petting zoos and ask to pet dogs in the street. And yeah. It'll help. You know, and now you're reminding me uh, a couple more ideas for takeaways. And I'm looking at the time going, don't, we have to stop, which I don't want to because it's so interesting and helpful and fun. Um, So my friend Jill volunteers at one of the local animal shelters and she's there at least two days a week. I'm just like, Jill, how do you ever get anything done? You're always at the animal shelter. But I think that, that she, well, I mean, I have no idea. I've never asked her, you know, specifically why that just seems like a rude question, but (laughs) But if you were um, wanting to, you know, have more interaction with animals specifically to, to, um, to just feel happier, <laughs> um, there's a lot of animal shelters that um, are probably always looking for volunteers. Yeah. And then my older sister has a, um, you know, at some point you need to stop saying things like my big sister and my little sister. <laughs> <laughs> 
probably too old and they probably don't want me to say my big sister and my little sister. Anymore. Oh, my 21 year old sister is my baby sister still. Right? So. <laughs> it's hard to get out. <laughs> so, so my big sister is an occupational therapist and owns a therapeutic writing facility, which is like, I don't know if you're um, familiar with it, but she has a little bit more than a dozen horses at most of the time. And I don't know, over a hundred clients and all sorts of different things that they need. You know, some have cerebral palsy or, you know, multiple sclerosis or were born with some other kind of thing where the, um, their body isn't necessarily working correctly or their mind isn't connecting things correctly. And, um, Literally being on the horse, the movement of the horse helps mimic the normal movement of the human body. And so it helps them to have, you know, uh, kind of exercise therapy kind of thing. And also just the fact that they're enjoying themselves and the games, you know, and I say that in quotes, the games play are like actually helping them with whatever it is that they need help with. Um, I know from her facility and at least two other ones that I'm familiar with, uh, these are places that take volunteers. So if you like horses, <laughs> yeah. it could be a great place to, to be a volunteer and be around animals and also people who need you more than, you know, sometimes just helping somebody else I found also to be really helpful as a way to get myself out of my own mind and out of my own negative feedback loop. <laughs> Yeah, in a way, it can it can give you a level of perspective, I think, as well. Um, not necessarily in the sense that it's like, these people have it way worse off than me. Right. It's, it's that you can, you can relate to their emotions sometimes, and you can, uh, you spend time reflecting on their feelings, which then gives you more perspective on your own feelings in that you then clearly see that maybe this isn't the end of the world. Maybe I'm not actually upset about this. Maybe it's more frustration. Maybe it's more of an anger. Maybe it's a disappointment. It's, you will then have that distance that gives you the chance to actually reflect on what you're feeling, which then allows you to come to terms with it easier and then allows you to deal with it and move on from it. And it's, it's these, these strange little psychological paths that you should naturally follow but when your brain is overloaded and burnt out you can't do that yeah yeah and it could be strangers or friends or family members like you said um when your husband's stressed out and you draw him a bath i mean now you're thinking about him and what can you do to make him feel better and it makes you feel better or at least it keeps you from thinking about you know whatever negative thing might have been in your head i i do the same with my husband sometimes i think that i do things for him that I would like more than he would like. So I have to think, what would he actually like? <laughs> my, but, my terrible thing at the moment is that he, uh, he'll say like, can I have a drink? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll go make you a cup of tea. And an hour passes by and he's like, did you make that tea for me yet? And I'm like, oh God, I'm sorry. <laughs> because I've got caught up in doing my own thing because I was like, right, I've helped my husband. And then I just forget about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I unfortunately know exactly how that is. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 I, I really am right this second. <laughs> yeah, I will help, I promise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, let me wrap up with um, 
I'm, I'm trying to decide whether or not it's okay to, um, to quote you. Can I quote you from your article? I don't yeah, want to embarrass you. you but okay. So <laughs> this is one of the things that made me think, all right, I need, to, I need to see if I can find you in the email list since we both work <laughs> at more or less the same company, but it's a ginormous company. Yeah, there's like 14,000 people. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I wrote to you saying, hello, Ellie. Are you the same Ellie who was interviewed? <laughs> Um, so one of the things that really made me think I have got to, to meet this woman is uh, this quote from you in the article. You said, I think discussing things that can cause people to spiral or fall into depression or have mental health issues is important because I've had those things happen to me and I want to talk about them to make sure that people know they're not alone. Yeah, it's something that I... I weirdly was speaking with my boss about this recently um, with, I've been quite open with her about my struggles this year so that she can understand and better help me uh, in these situations. But I said to her that I really admire people that can speak out about these kinds of things. And she was like, uh, I, I said that I want to try and do that more. And she said that I, I think you're already doing that. Like, again, it's putting that extra pressure on me to, to do better and speak out more and be more open. And, and yeah. she said, you're already doing that. You're already helping people and uh, making people feel less alone and sharing these experiences. And then it caused me to um, kind of review my mentality on that. And now when I see these people doing these things, instead of admiring them, I'm trying to embody them. So... I'm not thinking, oh, wow, I wish I could be like that person and be as open as that. I'm thinking, no, I'm already taking that and like projecting that forwards. And just as a, a quick kind of roundup on that, um, one of my friends uh, is going through a very tough time at the moment. She's, um, she had an ectopic pregnancy last year and oh. she's had multiple miscarriages and um, she's been really struggling with coming to terms with it all uh, in the sense that she's dealt with it on her own and she's not spoken out about it. And yesterday she was in hospital with a second ectopic pregnancy. Oh no. And she, for the first time, just went right internet. I am now sharing my experiences because I feel like I'm in a position where I want to get this out. Yeah. And she said it was really cathartic to share everything that she's been through and unload all that just into the void of the internet and to then have so many voices come back in support and understanding and care and she I don't think she was quite expecting that to come back to her because when you're going through these things you do feel alone yeah. when you are depressed you feel like it's only happening to you when you're burnt out, you feel like no one else in the world has ever experienced this before and no one could possibly understand. So you just have to get on with it. Yeah. But chances are most people have experienced something of this kind and most people will be understanding and have uh, coping mechanisms to share and have support to offer. And that is the bottom line of all of this. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you're not ready to speak out about it yet even just sharing it with a couple of close friends can help to lift that pressure a little bit and relieve yourself of that load of feeling like you're alone. Yeah. So that's why I talk about this kind of stuff. 
That's awesome. And part of the reason why I decided to talk about it on my podcast is because I haven't been aware of other writers. I'm sure that there are some, but I'm not aware of any other writers who are speaking, you know, specifically to the creative people who, you know, I mean, there, there's a certain amount of think differently. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But also because um, I just wanted to have a place where I could offer something that worked. Like I don't want to, this was the place that I chose that I wasn't going to just vent, but vent with some sort of helpful idea or tip or, you know, something. Purposeful venting. Yes. That's (laughs) what I'm trying to say. It's always good to have another writer around going, this is what you're trying to say. (laughs) Yes. Purposeful venting. Exactly. And so one of the things that I also try to do is if this is not you, but you think maybe this is one of your friends, then that is wonderful. What you just said, like, just be there and listen. Yeah. Offer support. (laughs) Yeah. Offer that care that they maybe can't provide to themselves right now. Yeah. Like, because you don't feel like you can care for yourself because you have to do everything else. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. even if um, like my husband will, will book me, uh, like I said before, like a manicure or a hair appointment or something, which it's time for me, but I don't think about doing that sometimes. So like, just, just try and try and offer that, that little bit of support, whether it's buying someone a chocolate bar or, you know, or, taking them out for coffee or just make sure they know that you're there for them. Yeah. And that will help relieve some of that pressure. I think. That is awesome. Ellie, it is such a pleasure to talk to you. I'm so glad that we got to know each other. Yes. (laughs) Oh, all right. So if some of the people out there are listening and going, this is awesome. I love her. (laughs) (laughs) Where can they find more of you on social media? Uh, so I am Ellie Joy Panic on all of my social media platforms. So that's uh, mostly Instagram and Twitter at this point. Uh, so that's E L L I E Joy, like the emotion, and Panic, also like the emotion. <laughs> um, uh, long story short, I couldn't say my name when I was a kid, so that's what came out instead. <laughs> really? Yeah, my middle name is Joy, and my, my maiden name was Spanovic, uh, Middle, uh, Middle Eastern, Middle um, Eastern European. What am I trying to say? <laughs> Eastern European name. Uh, so it was very complicated for like a three-year-old to say. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I talk about games. I talk about fitness, mental health, uh, women's health. Uh, Instagram is mostly my, my pole fitness kind of platform and Twitter is, is more video games, but, um, I also have an email address, uh, that anyone can get in touch with me on, which is, uh, elliejoypanic at outlook.com. So if you want to chat about any opportunities or anything that I've discussed really, then that's how you can get in touch. Excellent. Wow. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been brilliant. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It's been amazing to finally get to to talk for like a solid hour about this kind of stuff with you.